Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the feminist podcast that woke up like this. Gay. Gay. Woo! <laughs> Today we have Kellen, Laura, Zoe, and Jules. And, you know, we've had a rough couple of weeks. We, we talked about Ukraine. We talked about all of the United States trying to erase gay people and trans people from existing. So today we're talking about queer and feminist media that we've been enjoying as of late. Um, it's also the very end of winter and we're all feeling it. So we're trying to spring into some new vibes with a gay awakening episode. Um, so yeah, we're going to do a gay awakening episode. We're going to start with all of our personal journeys of gay awakening, which I'm sure has been multifaceted and, um, you know, all over the place as, as one is in a heteronormative society. (laughs) Um, but, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other, some other gay vibes that we've been enjoying as of late so that you can enjoy that shit too. Hell yeah. Does anyone want to go first? Um, I can go. I mean, I feel like we could do like a whole episode that's just like, how did you realize you were a guy? So I'll just, I'll do the like hyper abbreviated version. There was some obvious shit that like under normal circumstances, people would have, you know, if we weren't living in like compulsory heterosexuality lands, people would have seen like, um, why was I so into Meg from Hercules? Um, the answer is because she's my exact type. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was just like, oh, she's like cool and funny, I guess. No, it's because I was in love with her. Um, regardless, uh, I think that like for me, I was like, oh, I'm bi, but it's not a big deal. Like, I didn't, like, really feel like being a queer person mattered that much. I figured it out when I was, like, 19, which is, like, kind of late, but I grew up in a very conservative environment. And I hooked up with one girl, and I was like, okay, sure. And then I hooked up with a second girl, and I was like, okay, now it's a pattern. Um, I guess this is a thing that I am. But I didn't give it a ton of thought until I was in my, like, early 20s and realized that I had been like in love with my best friend in high school and then once I was like oh this is actually like a really important part of who I am that like actually really matters I started to take it like more seriously and like really consider what like my sexuality and my queerness meant for me but it was definitely like a long process to get there and at first I was just like yeah I guess I'm bi but like everyone's a little bit bi and now I'm like I'm gay and I love it um so you know it takes time that's amazing um I can go next I guess similarly I think I could literally talk for like just me for an entire hour about my like circuitous route to gay awakening seriously same Um, but I think one moment that I think is very fitting for the spring awakening theme, um, is so I like similar to what you were saying, Kellen, I definitely like around the time I was in high school was like, I'm definitely bi. And like, I didn't really tell anyone, like if anyone asked, I would be like, yes, I'm bi, but like people just kind of assume everyone is straight. So it didn't come up a lot. And I wasn't, I didn't really like date very much in high school at all. Um, But I definitely was like, oh, like, I think women are really hot. Like I'm definitely attracted to people who aren't men, but it's not that like important a part of my life. It's fine. Like I'll probably just date men because that seems easier. Yeah. Um, But then I had this moment in college where I was just like, it was like, end of winter like first warm night um in like maybe my sophomore year of college and I was like hanging out with this girl that I had a huge crush on and we were friends and we had gone to this party together and then like I don't know we got like um like halal food or something like just like street food and we're sitting in this park and she was just like can I kiss you right now and I was like oh my god yes um and we just started like making out and like I don't even the night is like such a blur because obviously it was very like exciting and then also Mm -hmm. we were both a bit drunk but like we just were like 
wandering around through this park that was near our college and just like making out and like it was amazing and I was like wow I'm so gay like definitely this is like (laughs) the best first kiss that I've ever had um and after that moment I was like for a while I was like I'm literally not attracted to men and then pretty soon after that I had like a good hookup with a guy and I was like okay so like I'm definitely into all genders but just like it was very important for me to like have that clear moment of like this Mm -hmm. is an important part of my identity and this is really great um and yeah it was just very like new like new energy spring is coming I feel like it's a very good time to be like exploring new parts of your identity um which I think is exactly what we want to talk about today so yeah Love that. Uh, also, for the listeners at home, we're all just like gritting during each other's <laughs> stories. Yeah. So when I was in like elementary school, I rented the movie Harriet the Spy all the time, and I had a huge crush on Harriet. Hell <laughs> um, yeah! <laughs> and then extremely I relatable. Like, <laughs> um, was you know just like. There were, there were signs. I think I knew by the time I was like 12, um, I was also very like tomboyish, which we talked about on like the non-binary feelings episode. But then in high school, I was in Latin class and this girl who sat in front of me, I thought was very cute. Um, we had the same name. And so it was like towards the beginning of the, like, school year we were like doing this activity and she like turned around to work with me and I was like oh like how do you spell your name because we had like write on the paper and she was like oh just like yours and I was like she knows how I spell my name so cute (laughs) I love that (laughs) this love um (laughs) and then we started like studying together or whatever um and then we made out and I like I don't remember this, but she told me this and I believe her. I like didn't text her after that for a few days, I think, because I was like kind of nervous. But like oh. then we ended up dating for a mm, eh, couple of years, I guess, um, on and off towards the end as. Mm-hmm. Oh, and before that in high school, a lot of my friends and I would like drink and like make out with each other. <laughs> friends that at least at the time were like also identifying as girls. Um So yeah, and somewhat similar to Jules, while I was in that relationship, I was like, I don't think I'm into men. Like, I think I'm just into, or boys, I was a teenager. Um, Then I got to college and I started hooking up with men and I was like, I guess I'm bi. Um, And I've been reluctantly attracted to men ever since. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's like the main thing for me, I guess. Extremely powerful. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. I, you know, between the society being compulsed hetero and also growing up Catholic, I just sometimes like am baffled by my own journey. <laughs> uh, because when I was in middle school, I was at a summer camp. Um, and the all the girls in my cabin and I decided one night that we were going to practice making out with one another. Um, <laughs> you know, I as, love that. as one does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like totally here for it. Um, but I also didn't think too much about it because I yeah. just was like, you know, um, this is it nor- was just practice. It was practice for boys, right? right. Like, yeah. e- but I was like, okay, but I also like want to do that all the time mm-hmm. now. But I kind of like forgot about it, whatever. Um, I always like joked with people that my first kisses were with girls, like because they yeah. were. Ha 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 Extremely same, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, I like dated guys I would literally tell them that I wasn't attracted to them and they were like that's fine we can still be together and I was like oh my god okay okay. Uh, I like went on a date when I was 22 in between long-term partners with people who at the time um, identified as men and uh, like did not have like a a sexual experience with um, a woman or non-binary person until I was 28. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, throughout that process, it definitely became 
something that felt like it was bubbling over within myself and like that I needed to attend to um and like the long-term partnership I was in at the time like we opened up the relationship and like that's kind of how things like that started for me um and I haven't like been in a relationship with a man since that time (laughs) but unfortunately still have had some experiences with them <laughs> along the way. Um, Unfortunate being the very far word. and few between, though. Um, you know, all that to say is, I do think like sometimes I'll meet people and they're like, "Oh, I feel like I came out so late," blah blah blah, and like I don't know. Literally, people now I'm like turning 32 um, soon, and people will be like, "You're a gay icon." Like I feel like blah blah blah. LOL, because it's hilarious. I'm just like, I, I love that people see me as like some type of elder, but really I've like only been here for about four years. And I was like unsure for like the first year of that, right? So it's like, it's kind of fun that you, it really only takes a few years of being out to feel like very solidly out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was out as bi before them, but it's complicated. It's complicated. Anyway, um, that's our stories. You're welcome. Y'all want to talk about some more gay shit we've been into recently? Yes. Um, yeah, well, I can share. I did finally order it. My co-hosts have known, but I just ordered my first um, like chest binder. Ooh. And I'm excited about it. I'm also like, I kind of keep roasting myself because for the past like couple years, I've been like, Oh, like I know I like present as very femme. I have no interest in changing my appearance or whatever. And then I was like, whatever. I'm just roasting myself, but it's fine. Um, but I like go swimming a lot. And I, so I wear like, uh, like f- to work out. So I wear a one piece that's like tight and I will wear it under my clothes to the gym. And I was looking in the mirror and I was like, oh, I like, like how that looks. Mm-hmm. And then, and that was happening for like months. And then I was like, oh, you can just buy something that does that. I don't have to like wear this <laughs> fucking bathing suit. Um, so yeah, I just ordered one. I'm excited. It hasn't come yet, but I got recommendations on our discord, which you can join at patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> always be <laughs> letting people know about it <laughs> yes i love that and i'm very happy for you thank you yeah that's great i also just want to say that that is basically exactly how i decided to get my first binder too like i was just like i feel like i would like if my chest looked flatter and then i just decided to try that and i feel like that's a great way like sometimes just trying things out even if you're like I might not like this is fun and good and spring Uh, is a good time for that I just Um, wish I wish that oh yeah I was just gonna say like I wish that science like what is capitalism good for if science hasn't invented a way to create a boob exchange program because Mm. I would gladly take some of your extra tissue because (laughs) I would love for my boobs to be bigger (laughs) I would gladly I mean, share. Fine. I mean, the I great thing is that, like, that, like, we can also do that. We do have the technology. But I do really wish there were just an easy, like, bloop, bloop. Yeah. Like, yeah. Give, just give them to someone else. And then you can, like, trade it back <laughs> if you want to. I don't know. Like, somebody that knows how to science, um, get on that. that. Yeah. And then give us a cut of the profits. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I would gladly share. Like, So mine have like grown over the past few years, just from like general, like body changes and whatever and hormones. And I just like, don't love that for me. And I would give the extra tissue I've been growing to Kellen. Very generous. (laughs) I just feel like my butt is getting bigger, which is great, but I'm just like, we could redistribute that a little bit upwards. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Redistribute the wealth. Yes. (sighs) Um, Well, my latest um, gender euphoria has been coming from these toothpicks that I bought. So (laughs) the story behind this is that I've been watching a lot of the show Ink Master. uh, Yes. Tattooing competition show. It's very silly, but one of the hosts is this guy who's like, kind of in some ways has a bit of like an androgynous or femme look like he has long hair he kind of dresses like 
a lumberjack lesbian vibes but then he also always has a toothpick in his mouth Mm. and I just was suddenly like I would really like like I love how that looks I need to have a toothpick um and I was asking my friend about it and they were like oh yeah like I love having toothpicks they're the ultimate butch accessory and I was like wow that's so like I love that um so I bought these like I have some of them here, so I'm going to show them to the hosts, but they're like mint infused toothpicks. um, And they're like a lot thicker than a regular toothpick. So you can like gnaw on them because I really like, I like bite my nails and stuff. So it's partly like a habit breaking thing for me where it's like, now I just have something I can stick in my mouth and chew on. Um, And they also look great. So that's, that's that's been my um, latest latest thing and I was hanging out with my sister and a bunch of her friends this weekend and like we all put them in our mouths and then my sister was like oh my god like I think I'm like actually very femme because this is like not working for me (laughs) wow that's so like I'm sorry that this is bad but I love that you discovered that about yourself um and then a lot of the rest of us were like hell yes we're like getting leaning into our butch toothpick guy moment that's so funny because you know, like on your way to restaurants, there's always toothpicks. And my mom would always like take one and just like be like chewing on it. And so then like I started doing that when I was like young. Can't say I've done it in a while, but I feel like I just thought that was normal. I, I just feel like I, I mean, see... I feel like it's it doesn't have to be gendered for sure. But I feel like the specific like there's, there's like something James that is Dean. like farm boy. Yeah, kind, totally. yeah, oh, yeah like too. I don't know. It's just yeah, like, no, it definitely is. I just never really thought about it. I'm like, I, oh, my mom I can and see I just Jules, used to always be like. <laughs> I could see Jules looking cool as hell, like chewing on a toothpick for sure. Oh, yeah. So, with like a leather jacket. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. It kind of reminds me um, <laughs> like so many queer people use carabiners for their keys right it's like part of it and either if not like a carabiner some type of hooked thing to put on our belt loops because we're not carrying a purse like i so as like a side note i um i have a carabiner i clip my keys to my belt loop all the time and i did that like (laughs) unthinkingly the other day and my partner who's also queer was like oh do you put it on the top or the bottom side and I was like it's funny that you should ask that because I know that I put it on the top side because Zoe one time clipped (laughs) their keys to their belt loop and was like oh ha 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 I didn't realize it but I do put it on the bottom side and I was like wait which side side I forget you put it on the right don't you I used to. <laughs> yeah. And that's apparently the bot, like signaling that you're a bottom. And I was like, oh, I always put mine on the left. <gasps> I've actually switched. started putting mine on the oh. left, but I haven't stopped being a bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and then, so I have a friend who took this a step further and keeps um, nail clippers on their carabiner. Oh, and I love that. I just, <laughs> I love amazing. everything that it's signaling. I love that it's like, it's just powerful. And to like an untrained eye, it's like, that's kind of weird. Like, why do you do yeah. that? Why not? Um, powerful. So yeah, springtime is also a really good time to do tarot readings. Tarot is canonically gay, in my opinion. Um, and in this time of renewable renewal, it's a really good time to recenter yourself, especially because the spring equinox is this weekend. And I thought I would share a tarot spread um, that I liked that is kind of in celebration of the spring equinox. Um, so it's these five questions. One, what seeds should I be planting? Two, how can I best nurture these seeds? Three, What has served me but is no longer needed? Four, what can I do to create balance in my life? And five, what steps can I take to live in alignment with the energies of spring? Love that. I love that. That's really fun. I'm definitely going to do it. My other um, gay spring activity is I'm planning my sister's bachelorette, joint bachelorette party. Um, She's marrying a woman. They're having a bachelorette party together. I've been this week shopping for all the decor, which is very fun. Fun. Yeah. I love that none of it is like going to be penis themed because nobody has a penis. It's not that there's (laughs) anything wrong with having a penis, just that so many bachelorette parties are so penis focused. It's like, what a nice breath of fresh air. No, it's going to be cute. 
out. Also, I convinced them to let me be the best man of the wedding. Um, (laughs) So I'm excited. I mean, I was going to be, I was already going to be like the number one, but I was like, I do not want to be a maid of honor. Um, Titleistically. But yeah, I've been just buying, it's very gay. Like today I ordered, um, oh, I hope my sister doesn't listen. (laughs) Turn it off if you're listening. Never mind. <laughs> I've skip been forward a little bit. <laughs> okay, skip 30 seconds. Um, I ordered these like engraved bamboo straws to give everyone <laughs> um, with like their names on it. I've just been like having a good time. Etsy's a great place. Also, if you just search like queer or like lesbian bachelorette party, <gasps> fun things arrive. Oh my God, that's so fun. If you search regular bachelorette party, you will just see a lot of dicks. It's fucked up. I have done it before. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else are people into? Um, <laughs> so uh, this week, a new Muna song and video was released. If you're not familiar with the band Muna, they are all queer, um, two non-binary, um, but th- three lesbians within them. Um and uh, the song is called Anything But Me. It's amazing. I also just bought tickets to see Muna um, in Cleveland, which is going to be their first stop on their tour, which is really fun. exciting. That's fun. I saw them in Chicago a few months ago. I've been I will a long time Muna fan. Mm. I saw them at a music festival like years ago when their first album came out. And I was like, I fucking love this band. They're going to be big. And I was right. Brag. Brag. Beautiful. That's how I feel Brag. about Mitski. I like, I sometimes think about going to a show, a Mitski show that had like 30 people at it and Same. I'm just like uh what that's so yeah funny. um I also have like a kind of an under the radar band I wanted to talk about <laughs> um which is the checks aka the artist formerly known as the Dixie checks I don't know if you've heard of them um but I have this playlist that is called girl power spelled g-r-l-p-w-r in parentheses vengeance remix that i listen to a lot when i'm feeling particularly like i want to destroy things um and one of the songs that i've been listening to a lot recently is goodbye earl which you know we could talk about at length but it's about two women murdering a um Uh, abusive husband and it ends really beautifully with the women forming what I think of as a feminist anarchist commune Um, just the two of them growing um, fruits and like selling ham and shit on the side of the road just like supporting themselves living communally and I think that's really beautiful so shout out to Goodbye Earl feminist masterpiece also shout out to the um, what I consider to be the Taylor Swift equivalent of that, which is no body, no crime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also extremely powerful mm-hmm. vibes. Yes. Also, <clears throat> this is a bit of a tangent, but okay. The name change of Dixie Chicks reminded me of actually my friend Ariel, who was on the pod a few weeks ago talking about queer spaces, told me that, um, Lady Antebellum changed her name mm-hmm. to Lady A. Yeah. Does everyone know this? But there was already a blues singer named Lady A. And so then they like fucking sued her. So I in order to like, I'm pretty sure that's what happened, but this could be wrong. I'm trying. I was literally. Yeah, trying to no, I right think now. that's right. Right. I remember so in order to be like not racist. Yeah. In order to be like not racist, they like sued this black woman to steal her performance name. Love that. <laughs> Girl boss. Yeah. Um, the chicks did not as far as I know, have to fight anyone for the name. Yeah. Um, and also speaking of queer music icons, my friend just got us tickets to see Phoebe this summer. Yes. And oh my God. I'm so looking good. forward to it. Also this friend, um, I like texted her being like, I think I'm going to order a binder. And she was like, I've been thinking about it too. Um, and then we were starting a joking hashtag that's like binders for bridgers and we're going to yes. wear binders for the show. <laughs> I, love I love that. Oh, my God. I love that. Um. All right. So we hinted at this last week. Uh, if you have not been living under a rock, you are aware that there is a pretty gay show floating about called Euphoria. If you haven't watched Euphoria and intend... I haven't. Two. I do. 
but that's okay. I'll be spoiled. It's fine. <laughs> There's not like major. No, like you didn't spoil anything. Too- like I don't think you're gonna spoil too much. It's because okay. I haven't I've, even seen the second season. I've committed to to getting spoiled. I just don't have HBO, but eventually I hope to get HBO and watch this. So yeah, I don't think anything. Yeah, well, what I was going to say to our listeners is that they can skip ahead. But if you want to put your earmuffs down, you totally can. can. Set my headphones down. Yeah. Step away. (laughs) My cats for a minute. Come back. Yeah, exactly. No, you're good. Go for it. Talk Um, about it. So we will be focusing on like the queer and trans issues as well as um, some of the uh, drug use issues. So like, also, if those types of things are not something you want to hear, I would skip ahead as well. So one thing I would like to mention up front is that I'm a stan of all the actors, the costume designers, the makeup artists, the set designers, the cinematographers, and not necessarily of Sam Levinson, who is the show's creator, director, and writer. Um, He wrote all 18-hour-long episodes and directed all but three of them, and he has really emerged as a central figure in the commentary around the show because fans are obviously always taking to social media and criticizing his visions of the characters, right? Like, we get attached to these characters, and we don't like what ends up happening to them (laughs) sometimes. Um, This show has no writer's room, um, whereas most shows do, so fans might feel it fair to direct their critique um, of creative decisions at Levinson. So one frequent objection that people are having is that Levinson is inappropriately sexualizing certain woman characters. Cassie, a high school character played by Sydney Sweeney, is filmed topless in several episodes. Sweeney said in an interview last year that she had pushed back against being nude in some scenes that Levinson had scripted, adding that Levinson readily accepted her suggestions. Basically, people wonder why characters who are who are diverse in many dimensions answer to a 37-year-old white man who grew up in the entertainment in, entertainment industry. Like, his dad was a pretty substantial director. That being said, um, Levinson and others associated with the show have said there is substantive creative collaboration between Levinson and cast members. Um, the one time he shared a writing credit, it was with Hunter Schaefer, the trans actress who plays Jules, a trans character who was the focus of that episode. Yeah, I just wanted to add a little onto that because I watched a behind the scenes like interview with several people about the collab and um, including Hunter. So this was like one of the interseason specials. If people have seen them, the one that was specifically about Jules and um our jewels to be clear um (laughs) just kidding but so they (laughs) powerful yeah because in that episode they really explored like her gender and sexuality more than they had in the first season and so they had her like collaborate a lot on what she wanted that to look like and something that i thought was really cool especially in there were a lot of like sexual scenes but a lot of those she actually she's a visual artist and she like drew what she wanted the scenes to look like and they based a lot of it on her drawings so from like what these interviews looked like in the episode and they they showed like side by side like her drawings versus the scene so it was very much like she had a big role in like how these things were portrayed about her so I thought that that was really cool I didn't know that that was the only (laughs) writing credit anyone else got um but yeah yeah that episode specifically i really liked and also i think you can like tell that she She had had a big part in it and that it was like very realistic to her experience and she also said that it was like a lot of it was important for her too to like work through her own identity because it was like true about her like it wasn't it was about the actress or about the character but also like drawing a lot from her actual experience yeah totally um i also really like um this did happen in season two. I wouldn't consider it a spoiler. Um, there is a new character in season two whose name is Elliot, and he is hanging out with Rue and Jules, the two two of the main characters. Um, and he's kind of interacting with them in different capacities. And um, but one of the things, because he's kind of like 
interrogating their relationship, Jules and Rue's relationship. And, you know, he says to Jules something along the lines of like, okay, so you're a trans girl, but you wear a binder. Like, tell me about this experience. I just saw that episode. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that there are these conversations that are happening. Um, And it's unclear, right? Like how much of that is the actor's input, how much of it is um, Sam Levinson. But the, the fact that there are a lot of these topics being covered out of a place of curiosity um, rather than um, anything else. Oh, yeah. I guess I, well, I guess I can talk about this here. I just was going to say, I think that I like that the show focuses, at least, again, I've only seen season one, but I feel like it focused a lot more on, like, the danger of being trans coming from, like, how other people treat her. Yes. Um, And, like, both within, like, the high school setting and then also with, like, the grinder hookups that she has and sort of Mm -hmm. how, like, the dangers of meeting someone online as a teenager are also heightened if you're trans. Um, And basically how, like, like, her transness and her gender are portrayed as these very, like, beautiful, like, psychedelic things that are, like, wonderful parts of her life and the difficulty really comes from how people are transphobic towards her which I think is accurate so yeah totally yeah, that makes sense yeah that's I was just gonna say yeah that that's like in the the special ep- between seasons about her as well is um she's talking about like a lot more about her transition about like the hormones and um, blockers she's taking and like kind of her reasoning for that and her um, really contemplating like whether or not she wants to necessarily be on all of the things that she is taking because um, like Jules is saying, a lot of it is to like fit into, I guess like how much she feels like she needs to pass in order to mm. like not necessarily face these transphobic things or like mm. fit people's images of her and like is really exploring like what she actually wants. Um, and so I thought that that was like very compelling. Yeah. There's also something just so important and good about trans actors playing trans characters. Um, You know, we don't need cis people to do that anymore. (laughs) Um, So from a purely aesthetic standpoint, I think the show is shot really beautifully. The second season in particular is really, really gorgeous. Um, They decided to switch from shooting digital to shooting analog, um, specifically on Kodak Ektachrome. So Levinson even reached out to Kodak to see if they could get enough of the classic film stock to shoot the entire series on 35 millimeter Ektachrome film. Um, And since it's typically only available in 8 millimeter and 16 millimeter, Kodak ended up resurrecting their factory to make it possible. Um, Ektachrome film is recognized for its vibrant colors and fine grain that is ideal for daylight shooting. And this film stock can also pick up skin tones better, allowing cinematographer Marcel Rev to capture stunning close-ups and make simple moments more powerful. Um, and I just like, I feel like the entire, um, series, but the second season in particular is just like, could all be photograph stills every single scene their budget must be oh yeah wild oh yeah because um just the cost of film like it makes sense that Kodak was like if you want all this film we will resurrect this factory because every role is so expensive and especially having um motion picture film developed nowadays because it's very very rare is just like astronomical so i'm just thinking about like the price and i'm like oh my god what (laughs) is their fucking budget yeah totally um and yeah and then i think we're just gonna go into a little bit more of the actors and i think that all of the actors and folks involved in this production really make the show something that's incredible to watch yeah i'm gonna once again request anyone related to me to please not listen to the next two minutes um (laughs) i want to talk about um the specifically the drug use in the show mostly um of rue so this is another thing from the special episodes rue's episode is uh about an hour a little more and it's her and her sponsor in a diner talking and that's pretty much the entire thing 
Um, and they're talking about her relapse and um, she's being very like flippant in the beginning about her use. And he, the sponsor Ali is like digging more and she ends up, he's like, why are you actually using like, think about it. And she's like, because I don't want to die um, and talks about like how hard it is um, being alive and, and how like the drugs help her. And I think, you know, from a harm reduction standpoint, that's very real, like looking at the way people use substances as coping mechanisms. And um, yeah, just the way they like talked about that was really compelling. I, the show really stresses me out with Rue. Yes, I have same. been having to like watch it slowly. Um, Rue, <laughs> Really reminds me of people that I knew. Also, Fez, who is her um, drug dealer, really, really reminds me of a close friend that I had to the point that I like had a dream about that friend the other day who I haven't seen since undergrad, haven't talked to in years. And he was like in a dream because it like, yeah, a lot of it just feels very reminiscent of situations I've been in. And I'm just like, it stresses me out. Um, but I also think that there's a degree to which like, it's definitely realistic and, you know, you get a lot of her backstory. And then I would say, I also appreciate how it's not only looking at substance abuse, right? Like plenty of the other teens use substances and aren't struggling with addiction, which like is also realistic to the reality of, um, using drugs and drinking and, Yeah, I don't know. I think it's simultaneously compelling and I find it so stressful. Oh, for sure. The most stressful episode, I think, of the entire series is season two, episode one. Um, The amount of alcohol use in the episode, as well as like drinking and driving being portrayed, as well as the drug use being portrayed is all like so, so, so anxiety inducing. Um. And I I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, this show glorifies drug use. Um, And I really disagree because... Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) I think that this show shows how terrifying drug use can be um, and how much of your life it can destroy. Um, And I think that part of why it's so compelling is it takes a look at addiction when it happens, especially in these young cases, which is common as well, of course. Um, so I do I do really appreciate that there's this um, kind of really intense description of, of drug use for young people. Um, and, and Zendaya herself, who plays Rue uh, has written on her social media multiple times about like hey this show is not for everyone this show is really intense Um, there are a lot of content warnings that go along with it and so for that reason like it 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 is not for everyone and it is um, really intense particularly I think when it comes to drug use yeah I I agree I feel like I guess like what I like about the show, I think both in terms of the portrayal of drug use and kind of like general gender stuff and also just like relationships that people have. I think like in certain ways, the show is very over the top. Like we've talked about, it's very like beautifully shot. And I think it kind of does present this like fantasy almost in a lot of cases of like the most heightened version of what these experiences would be. But I guess I like that for me, there is often this like grain of emotional truth within it that's kind of like showing the ways that teenagers and people in high school can still have these really intense experiences that like you understand while you're having them that they're very intense. Um, And I think like the drug use is like that. There's also like a lot of the stuff about like the ways that some of the main characters who are women or girls interact with their partners who are men and like the way that I think especially um, the characters of Kat and Cassie are like very slut shamed in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, They explore like revenge porn and non-consensual porn being created of you um, and those types of things that I think are even though they may be like over exaggerated in some ways in the show they are things that like a lot of high schoolers do deal with um 
And I think similarly for a lot of the male characters, there's a lot of exploration of like toxic masculinity and how like being forced to be like, you have to like be the best at sports. You have to like do not show your emotions because that's weakness. Like all of these ways that gender is kind of enforced on people in these different harmful ways um, that I find very like, even though again, it's like, it's a dramatic show, but I think there is some like piece of truth to that that feels very relatable both to my high school experience but also just to I think adult life as well like some of these are issues that continue to come up throughout our lives um and I think that's part of why it's like a relatable show to me um and I can see why like slightly older people like watching it as well because I think it it gets at some of those like intense emotional conflicts really well yeah absolutely um, I want to just briefly get into Kat's character a little bit. This is uh, played by by icon Barbie Ferreira. Um, Love her. She's so good. She's amazing. Um, and so in the first season, um, we see Kat kind of transform from a bit of a timid wearing um, clothes that don't really show off her figure or anything like that to someone who is really, really empowered, kind of wearing harnesses over clothes and really experimenting with her physical presentation after she starts camming online. So I really loved her storyline, particularly in the first season. I feel like the second season... like she wasn't written as much into the story but in the first season I really think that the type of empowerment that can come from making money off of like being sexy is really um, powerful especially for someone who doesn't have um like a very thin frame or whatever, even though Kat is obviously very, very hot. But for the standards of society, which is fat phobic, um, there's definitely some shit there. And I think that the way that the show portrays sex work as an empowering thing was really, really cool to see as well. Yeah, if there's nothing else, should we go on for the sake of time? Okay, I can just do a quick plug. I recently watched this new series called Single Drunk Female on Hulu, which I found pretty enjoyable. Um, I was, wor- I'm always like worried about how shows are going to portray substance use. Um, I mean, the con is that it uses a very like abstinence only model, which I personally don't agree with, but um, I also do think it shows it in a realistic way and shows various people in the show relapsing and like their relationship to drinking um but the main character the protagonist is a queer woman and I like that the show establishes that but like doesn't really make it a center focus Mm -hmm. um it comes up because her like close friend in the show someone she knows for a long time and the friend basically just asks like oh are you still like into like different genders and she's just like yep I'm into whoever and then you just kind of see her like date and make out with whoever but it's not like a center focus it's just part of the show and yeah I think it's like just a sweet funny show although it definitely is heavy in some aspects about drinking it definitely shows how it's like affected a lot of the people's relationships with their families and um stuff like that definitely and then shows you on the pussycat dolls I felt obligated to bring up um an oldie but actually Laura and I rewatched it the day before my birthday hell yeah um, when once again my family please fast forward um I decided to just have some shroom tea by myself and then watch this movie but it's so fucking good um it's really like an anti-capitalist feminist text it's so fucking good it holds up so well destroying the media mind control one song at a time it took six whole hours and five long long days days for all your lies to come undone undone. we love it (laughs) that was beautiful thank you so much oh yeah you're welcome Um, Okay, so I also wanted to shout out Killing Eve because it's on its final season right now. So anyone who hasn't watched it, 
who's been thinking about it. Great time. Um, it does have slight cop vibes. It is a show mostly about cops. Um, but it also has one of the main characters who's a serial killer. So I feel like it sort of balances out in the <laughs> cops are portrayed as sort of good, but also the serial killer is portrayed as very hot, at least <laughs> if not morally correct. So um, the main thing I like about this show is just Sandra Oh is so hot and this mm-hmm. show supports my theory that she is bi. Um, I don't think there's any official um like statements that she's made to that effect but i just feel like she clearly is she's very convincing and this is just a a great um i don't know it's a very like enemies to lovers plot line by between like an fbi agent in the uk and a serial killer which is amazing not to like spoil anything but basically like sandra oh like stops being a cop so you know it's not like a cop the whole time jody comer in addition to sandra oh being very hot jody comer is extremely hot yes um i was recently accused of not liking blondes um you know what i like jody comer i think she's beautiful also speaking of euphoria haven't watched it but in addition to Zendaya being the hottest person on the face of the planet, Hunter Schaefer, extremely hot. Yeah. Um, so you know what? Uh Sydney Sweeney, also extremely hot. Uh, like yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm an equal opportunity person, regardless of what your hair color is. I just want to make that clear. Friend of the pod who's probably listening. <laughs> You know what? For all like those blonde. accusing you of, of not being fair blonde to blonde phobia. Blonde, blonde people are finally getting their comeuppance. When will society acknowledge the hotness of blondes? Um, I just, but no, love Killing Eve. It's just so good to see like this like aggressively gay serial killer, like, you know, pursue a relationship with Sandra. What isn't there to love, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing I've been watching a lot of recently is The Nanny. Um, it's also all on HBO right now. Um, it's not explicitly gay, but the I fashion. think that, yeah, I mean, the fashion, first oh of all, God. is just yes. amazing. Also, yes. like, two of the main characters, I would argue, are very queer coded and probably if the show were made now would be gay, which mm. is there's this butler character who's named Niles um, and he and Fran Fine is her name in the show um, have this really great like worker solidarity relationship against their boss. Um, and then also this other person who works for their boss um, is like she's sort of portrayed as like a like man hating except for this one guy she's in love with but I feel like it's really the way her character is written it's like she never has any relationships with men and it's just like not addressed um except that at one point she and Niles do sort of get together so I just think that they threw those two characters together because they were like well we've made them so gay that like our only option now is either to be like they are gay or make them hook up and so they chose that but in my head canon they are both gay and they were just each other's beards in the show (laughs) (laughs) i think we also wanted to talk a little bit about yellow jackets it's it is like kind of a while ago that this came out but if anyone has not watched it yet it's definitely the gayest show i've watched in a long time same it's the best it's super spooky it's on showtime um, you can do a monthly free trial and binge it all. Yeah, I mean, the entire cast, like, there's queer actors and queer characters. It's almost entirely uh, women or femmes. There's two non-binary actors and their characters date in the show. Um, and it's, like, so interesting. Every scene has, like, 1,000 things in it. It's... um. I never watched Lost when I was younger, but people say that it's like Lost for gay people, for for sapphics in particular. 
it is as a big lost fan i will co-sign that like Hell lost yeah. is also great but not nearly gay enough so right <laughs> i haven't watched yellow jackets because i also don't have showtime um really what i'm feeling is that i need to mooch off of more people streaming um but the lost but gayer is really selling me on it oh yeah no it's <laughs> so good and it's like worth yeah it's it won some awards at the critics choice awards and we love to see it i want it to be going forever i'm excited about how it's gonna unfold helen my secret to having everyone's logins is you just tweet hi i really need someone's showtime login and someone will dm you i promise oh my god yeah I mean, listeners I at home like thank the... you so much yeah, exactly <laughs> i'm hoping that some someone in the discord is going to listen to this and be like hey here's here's my login but i also just signed up for it's a month free trial which was much more than enough time for me to binge the entire season but exactly okay i also this might be controversial but i have to talk briefly about love is blind just yes. because it's like just <laughs> ended and i feel like a lot of people have been watching it um so it's not queer at all, just to warn you, if you're not <laughs> familiar with this show. Um, it's a reality show on Netflix where... It's violently meet, straight. Like, fact. yes, it is it is violently <laughs> straight. That's a great <laughs> description. Um, basically, people have to propose and agree to marry each other before ever meeting in person. And after, like, five very short dates through, like, a wall where they can't see each other. Um, and then it's, like, usually about five to eight couples are, like ready to get married and you have to see if they're really going to make it to the wedding um and usually it's set up in this way where it's like at the wedding they're like do you want to get married and they have to say yes or no and people yeah. actually say no like it's really do you take this person blah 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 is a real question um in this show yeah. uh but for me it's mostly just that it's a show about how wild like a lot of the typical expectations on straight dating mm. are it just like makes me very happy to not be straight and also even when I'm in more potentially straight or straight passing relationships that like I just don't vibe with people that have any of these beliefs around yeah. like a relationship having to lead towards marriage and like mm. all of these kind of expectations that a lot of people absorb understandably because they're all around us but it just makes me really happy that I'm not in that world at all. Um, and that's basically why I enjoy watching it. Yeah, the, I'll just add a little to that. I definitely agree. Like, I think I've said this on the podcast about other romance reality shows, but I definitely agree they're queer in the sense that it doesn't make you want to be straight. I, although, <laughs> I'll say that much. <laughs> but something I think that's important about what you were saying, Jules, that I wanted to bring up is about Shayna. And she's a controversial figure. I'm not defending her. However, I think a lot of people were like, Kyle was so sweet, blah, blah, blah. Kyle proposed with his mother's ring after barely knowing her. And during the reunion, spoiler, she was like, I thought that was kind of manipulative. Mm. And he was like, people would love that. That was really sweet of me. And like, Granted, I wouldn't be on this show for many reasons, but <laughs> one being that I honestly think like most public proposals are to some degree coerced for manipulative, yeah. unless you've like already agreed that you both want to get married yeah. um, because you're putting someone right. in a position where they're in a very awkward position already to maybe say no. And now yeah. like all these people are watching, but especially to be like, and this is my mother's ring. Like you don't know each other. And yeah, when she said it was manipulative, like he was like, no. And then whatever fucking shake who whatever everyone hates but he was like i think she's like one to be on the show which also could totally be true but i think because she isn't a liked character people like didn't take it seriously that she said that specifically was manipulative and on that i agree with her so that's yeah i that's also said I'm so glad that she, I mean, she ended things with him the day after she accepted the engagement, I think, which like in the first season, there was this like 
will they, won't they with a very similar looking blonde woman who had a lot of plastic <laughs> oh surgery God. who like and shared wine with the her relationship. Cat. Yeah. Oh that, God. I forgot about that. The cat <laughs> drank out of her glass, but her wine glass. No, that was like the not. most stressful thing to me to just watch someone who clearly doesn't want to be with this person, but feels pressured into it. And like, I think that's a very common situation for women mm. and femmes to be in. And so it was just like so hard to watch. And I really admire that. Shayna was like, actually, no, I don't want to marry you. And I'm leaving this Mexican resort now. So, yeah. The very last thing about Shayna that, like, it was rude, but it's hilarious, is that she goes, I think I just want to sleep in separate rooms tonight. And then she just left. <laughs> I love that for her. I don't know, Shayna, but, just but like, I love it for Yes, her. like, set set your boundaries. I, like, it would have been so much yeah. worse if she had been like, yeah, let's share a room, but actually I don't want to get married. Well, and he was rude when she said she didn't want to share rooms, but then, like, you see her go back to her room, get a suitcase, and just, like, actually leave. So, anyway, go on, Kelly. I was just going to say that this is a great segue (laughs) into another cautionary tale about heterosexuality, which is, of course, my favorite show, The Bachelor, slash The Bachelorette, Um, which, as of our recording on Wednesday, March 16th, just concluded last night. Every time I watch The Bachelor, I think to myself how lucky I am not to be dating The Bachelor. Um, And this one was particularly the case. He told three women that he loved them and had sex with two of them um, and only didn't have sex with the third one because she left. Um, And you know what? A man's got to do what a man's got to do, I guess. But it was it was terrible to watch. However, what's new is that this upcoming season of The Bachelorette has two bachelorettes and their on-screen chemistry is incredible. I think they're in love with each other. They sat during their announcement, like hugging each other constantly, just doing subtle boob grazes, putting their hands on each other's knees, gazing longingly into each other's eyes. I was like, okay, this is extreme homoerotic subtext slash maybe will become text. My dream is that they are, they've never done two bachelorettes the same season before. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm hoping that they realize they're in love with each other and leave all of the men. I don't think it's going to happen, but I will watch to find out. And I am in love with both of them. But especially the brunette. Please keep us updated because I'm not going to watch The Bachelor just for this, but I do really want to know if that happens. They're both extremely hot, in case you were wondering. Um, But yeah, I will. I will obviously keep you all abreast (laughs) of what happens. Yes. Um, So we're coming to the end, but I think we wanted to plug some books that we've been reading also, um, just so you all know that we do, in fact, read and don't just watch reality TV. We are Even though that's also fine, you know, nothing wrong with that. But honestly, um, I saw y'all added a book section and I was like, I have nothing to add. (laughs) (laughs) Zoe, we know you're constantly reading, though, so don't lie to us. Yeah, for like school and then yeah, rotting I mean. my brain on reality TV. <laughs> Which is very fair. I mean, you know, we we do have a reading group, so hopefully people know that we do read. But um, in terms of gay <laughs> content, we talked a little bit last week about Manhunt by Gretchen Felker Martin. That's definitely one that is extremely gay, extremely trans, um, kind of like Yellow Jackets, has some like spooky zombie apocalypse vibes but is also really lovely with some of the romances um and then this other book i've been reading lately is a book of short stories called i dream of a woman or sorry a dream of a woman um it's by casey platt and i kind of would describe it as like a book of alice monroe short stories but just with the gender dialed up to 11 um it's very like sweet like slice of life type stories um but a lot of them are about transness or people's relationships to gender um and it's really great so definitely recommend that that sounds awesome um i'm definitely looking for more recommendations about books about gender in general um on that note i recently did like a 20-hour round trip drive with my partner Um, And we listened to The Will to Change Men, Masculinity, and Love, which is a book that Zoe famously recommended on our Bell Hooks episode. Wow, famously. Famously. (laughs) 
And I just, I guess I just wanted to close with like sharing with y'all some of the conversations that it sparked between me and Matthew about gender and sexuality. Um, and I think that both of us. Are is this his first podcast name launch? Maybe it is. I don't know if I've name dropped him before. I think this might've been a hard launch, everybody. Oh. Wowie. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was really interesting because the book is written, it was written in 2004. So it's already in some ways like very outdated in the way that it deals with gender, um, which is not to say like it's bell hooks fault. It's just the way that we talk about gender has changed a lot since 2004. Um, but it got us talking a lot about like what, like what masculinity is, what femininity is, what, for example, a question I asked him, cause he identifies as a man question mark is like, what does it mean to be a man if you remove the power dynamics inherent to the gender division between men and women? And his response was like, I don't think it means anything. And as an anarchist, like that doesn't sit well with me. And like another sort of question that we had, which I wish we had more time to talk about here is like, if you believe in gender abolition, like how should you act on that? Um, you know, if you're like gender should be abolished, how, you know, does that mean that you, you're like, what steps do you yourself take to abolish gender identity, for example, like we know that that's political, but like how much of an impact does how one identifies have on the material world? And like, you know, for example, like I was thinking a lot about the fact that, I am externally identified as a woman. People identify me as a woman. I don't internally identify with that category very much, but I, I, I know that I am externally identified as a woman and that it materially affects my experience in the world. And so a lot of questions that I had were sort of like, okay, you know, if I believe in gender abolition, should I like, A, should I like, publicly sort of be like I'm not a woman because no one's a woman and b like does my sort of like identity announcement is that sort of a material political act or does that actually not matter because it's just like a statement of identity so we were having these conversations I would you know obviously love to know what you all think I know we're running out of time but it was kind of a, a moment where we were both sort of like okay maybe a year from now, if we revisit this, we're both going to be like, it'll be like, what's your gender? And we'll both be like non-binary. Like, I honestly don't know, but I think both of us, you know, had some really like serious conversations about like, how much are we really attached to a binary gender? What does that mean for us? Like, what is, what do we get out of having those binary genders? And like, to what extent do we want to be complicit in the perpetuation of a system of binary gender that totally makes sense I mean I love that y'all read that together or listened to it together it sounds like a great um relationship activity (laughs) (laughs) but I guess my main take is just like I think it's great to like explore how your feelings like what your feelings are now and also just be open to them changing Mm -hmm. and I feel like I don't know. I mean, I know we pose this as like a gay awakening episode, but I really do feel like spring is just like such a good time to be exploring, especially like presentation, but also Mm. just like, you know, it's a good time to be like meeting new people, making new connections, trying new clothes. Like it's just a a change of the season. And I, I like that it's sort of a natural time of year to think about like what things we want to keep and what things we might want to change. Um, and I'm excited to hear more about where this journey sad, takes Jules. you. Beautifully said. Yeah, I guess one other thing that I would add is, and obviously, Kellen, you'll get this as a historian, is like the historical context of the category for women. I mm-hmm. think that's something I struggle with is like, um, I definitely identify with like the history of a lot of like women's movements or like who was like considered women because there weren't really Mm -hmm. um openly other categories for for gender and like a lot of western history um so I think that and I think also like the socialization like when you're talking about you know what does it mean to be a man if you don't 
believe in like the power indifference is that I guess a lot of people don't even realize how internalized like cis sexism is. And Mm -hmm. like, because of where we're at now, like the amount of unlearning to get to that point is, yeah, I feel like is really hard. Cause you can be like, right. I don't think men are more powerful. Um, or like, I don't think there's a difference, but then there's just so many fucking ways that everyone is socialized that you don't even think about until it comes up and you're like, why? Like, I don't know. After I go on dates with men, I still am like, I want them to text me first. Not that I think they have to, because <laughs> they're men. I just want that to be the case. Mm. Um, but then I'm like, but like, why? Also, I just yeah. usually don't care enough to text people first if I'm being really honest about this yeah. one. Um, but like, whatever, just an example of like small things like that, that I don't think about in that way until I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. And um, just to like close, I it was really interesting conversation being like, oh, this person that I have like, you know, formed this like long term commitment with who I love deeply, who I find very attractive is like someone who was raised a man, but is like, ah, I actually don't know how like interested I am in like, you know, maintaining my commitment to the um, category of man is like, okay, this also makes some sense for me on like the level of my sexuality where it's like, yeah, I'm generally not that interested in men. Like you have been raised as a man, but you also are like, not sure that you want to be a man. And like all that that entails makes a lot of sense in terms of like why I'm interested in you, why I care about you as a person that you're like, I want to renounce some of this. Anyway, just food for thought. Um, If you want to give us food for thought and by food, I mean money and for thought, I mean our pockets. Um, you know where to find us. We're at patreon.com slash season of the bitch. Uh, you can reach out to us via email, I guess, at season of the bee at gmail.com. We are uh, also on Twitter and Instagram at season of the bee. We post lots of photos, updates, etc. on there. Laura tweeted a very cute photo earlier. They're wearing some great overalls right now, and you can only see them if you go on Twitter. So check that out. Um, yeah, anything else anybody wants to add? I think just that I love y'all. Love you. <laughs> love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bitch.